We'll pray. Lord, we're, we're so grateful, God, to have your word, Lord. It, 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 it uh, encourages us for the days we're living in. It helps us walk through this life, Lord. And, and uh, uh, Lord, you tell us the future. You know it before it comes to pass. And uh, as we walk through this life, we're trying to, trying to glorify you, Lord. We want to be salt and light in this world, Lord. We need your strength to do that, Lord. So we, we look at the life of a very young couple with a, a, a baby, that their life uh, was, was meant to glorify you, Lord. And uh, we just want to look a little closer at Mary and Joseph and, and, uh, and what they did, Lord. So we just love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So Luke chapter 2 uh, says this. We're going we're gonna to go over a couple of scriptures that we went over last week. Verse 21, it says, When eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Why? That was the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem and they presented him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, and we went over this last week, so many times it says, as it is, it is written, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This young girl, 16 years old, said, Lord, here's my life. Let it be according to your will. Whatever you say, probably processing some of the repercussions, not knowing all of them, but processing some of the things that would happen to her as she says, yeah, Lord, you know, I'll do it. By your Holy Spirit, Jesus will come forth through me uh, and my family. I don't know what I'm going to tell people, how that's going to work out, but I'll do it. And this young girl walks with the Lord, follows the Lord in a very unique way, ways that, that some adults maybe aren't doing that, right? This girl says, yes, Lord, use my life, take my life. Uh, and she follows this pattern. First, she hears from the angel. This is what you do. This is what you name the child. And then all of a sudden, circumstances of her life change. Things in her life are, are moved around. They're shaken. She's got it. There's a, there's a, uh, a census where people are going to get taxed. And this poor girl, right at the time she's going to give birth, has to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem, right? There's no nurse there, no doctor, and she goes. That's circumstance leading her life. Now what does she do? Now she's led. The angel's not there saying, all right, take this next step or do this next. Uh, the circumstances of her life, she falls back. Her default, and it should be yours, it should be ours, our default is the Word of God. Right? What's the word of God say? What's the Bible say? How do you make your next step in your life? You don't know what to do. God, what's your word say? You need to be in the word of God. And that's what Mary did. God, according to your word, we're going to just, all right, our next step, we're going to circumcise him on the eighth day. We're going to call him Jesus. That's what the angel said. And now we're going to bring him to the temple for dedication. And that's where we pick up. We looked at that last week. That's where we're going to pick up. And we're introduced to two new people. Simeon and Anna, both of them older people in the Lord. It says this, we're going to read verse 25 down. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's Messiah. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, here comes this older gentleman, walks up to Mary and Joseph, and it says this, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. Right? Can you imagine that being a brand new mom? Here you are, you walk into the temple, you know. Obviously, Mary and Joseph weren't germaphobes. They just had Jesus in a barn. So, but they bring him in, and all of a sudden, this guy walks up to him. I don't know if Mary and Joseph know him. Maybe they do, but this marks her life. What these two people, this is 50 to 60 years later, she's telling Luke what happened, what they said, how it influenced her life. She remembered, Right? And she goes in there, and this guy comes, can I see your baby? Right? And she, he picks this baby up, and he, he prophesies over him and says these amazing things over his life. Can you imagine that? As a, you know, now I wouldn't mind. You know, I come in, I'm looking for people. Who do you think will take our kids, hon? Who's going to watch our kids so we can walk around, right? Mary and Joseph were probably like, don't let, don't let them. Oh, they got a cough. I heard them coughing. You know, but, you know... Now I'm like, hon, pretend like the kids didn't cough. Give them cough syrup. Let's bring them to church. We've got to get out of this house, right? Don't tell anyone they had a fever yesterday. But there they are. And this guy takes Jesus up in his arms. And, and amazing what this guy did. This guy was probably friends with Anna. And we're going to read about Anna too coming up here. She's an older woman. She doesn't leave the temple. She serves the Lord with fasting and prayer, it says. She had some tragedy in her life. She lost her husband at a very young age, and it says she continued walking with the Lord. She continued in fellowship. She went to the temple, right? Tragedy sometimes knocks people off course, but not this woman. She stayed faithful. She walked with the Lord with fasting and prayer, and these two people have a marked life. You know why? I think, I think it's important why they went to church. They went to church. That simple. Mary and Joseph, they go to church. It's, it's biblical. The early church gathered. There was always a place for the body, whether it was Israel, and then the church as the church is birthed in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, they gather together, right? Consistently. These, it says she didn't leave the temple. She served in the temple, right? If Mary and Joseph thought, ah, man, COVID's going around, and I know COVID's serious. Something else is going around, the flu, or, you know, it's, it's flu season. We better not go to church this week. And, and I get it. You people want to stay safe and healthy. I understand that, right? I'm not saying that. But they go to church, and it's important for them to go because they get to see the promise if, if, if Simeon didn't go that week, he would have missed Jesus. If Mary and Joseph didn't go, they would have missed what Simeon wanted to tell them. It's so important to be in church because that's so often where God speaks to people. It's where you're talking to someone else, encouraging them about the Lord. They're talking to you. It's where iron sharpens iron. It's vital, right? Hebrews says that, to not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That's the way some people think in their mind. That it's okay not to go to church. 
it's, not, it's okay not to get together. And then he says, as you see that day approaching, right? What's that day? The day of Jesus. Man, we look, and we looked at it last week. The Lord's return is near. He gave us signs. He doesn't give us the day or the hour, but he gives us signs, indications, things that the church, that people need to look at. What's going on in the world? Oh, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I can tell you what, this is what he said. And look at what's going on. Turn the news on. Look, look what's going on in Israel. Look what's going on on the moral compass. That God, that's the other timepiece that God uses. It's morality, right? It's something that God gauges time with. Israel. So they go to church. If you would, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Mary had seen Jesus. He talks to her. And uh, verse 19, verse 18, she goes and tells the disciples. Verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to him, Peace be with you. And he, as he said this, he showed him his hands and his side, evidence. Jesus, you go to church, you meet with the Lord, and he wants to talk to you. He wants to remind you of what he's done, right, and who you are in him. And he says, peace to be with you. And he said this, he showed him his, as he said this, he showed him his hands and his side, and the, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sends me, listen, I'm sending you. Probably in their minds, they're like, what? Uh, Lord, you were just killed not too many, not that long ago. Uh, but he says, listen, I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. And then it says this, Thomas called the twin, one of the 12. We call him, a lot of people call him Doubting Thomas, right? He wasn't with them when Jesus came. Why wasn't he there? He was probably discouraged. He might have been afraid. There were there was tons of reasons why he wasn't there with the disciples. Tons. But he wasn't there. And the other disciples therefore said to him when they saw him, Hey, we saw the Lord. So he said to them, What? No way. That didn't happen. Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my fingers in the prints of the nails and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. But you know what he does? He ha does have a change of heart. He's like, no way, I don't believe. I'm not, this is, you know, whatever. But then, guess what? He shows up at church next week. <laughs> Says this, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And this time it says, and Thomas was with them. I don't believe, but I'm going to come to church anyways. And Jesus came, and the doors being shut and stood in the midst, he says this, peace be unto you. That's what he said last time. And then he looked at Thomas and says, hey, Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. What a, Jesus went out of his way. He didn't say, oh, you know what, Thomas? You missed it last week, dude. Sorry, pal. Good luck. I'm wearing gloves this week and a vest, and you're not going to, you know. 
No, he says, here, put your hand. Why? Because Jesus wants people to believe. He wants to strengthen people's faith. You can't miss church and being in fellowship and around believers because Jesus shows up, right? We, we come here, and it's not what I'm telling you. Jesus shows up, and by his spirit, I could just read the Bible, and God is going to talk to you. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. He's going to remind you of what he has already told you, right? That's what's special about being at church. Jesus shows up. He promises that anytime two or three are gathered, I'm right here. I want to talk to you guys. So Mary and Joseph, they go to church. And it says this, Simon shows up, and it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then verse 27, it says, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. This was a guy who was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, sensitive to the Spirit, listened to God's voice, his leading. This was a great guy, right? And, and both him and Anna, they're, they're elderly people. Anna is, she could be, some, some people say she could, you know, do the math. She could be between 75 and 100 years old, unusually old for, for in biblical days, right? You know what? But their life had so much value. Their life had so much value. You know, it's a, probably a lot of people older. Justin comments sometimes that maybe he can be in the NFL. Uh, but generally, you know, there's an age limit for the NFL. You're not going to be in the NFL at, you know, unless, you know, maybe some quarterbacks do that. But, you know, or kickers. There's an age limit because you're so beat up and burned out. And, but you know what? A lot of those guys become coaches. But in God's kingdom... And the older you are, what great value you have. What great insight you have. What great experience you have. And never let the enemy or anyone tell you your life doesn't have value. I watch some people, they teach Sunday school, older people. Amazing. I love it. I love their creativity. Leah's, da Leah's dad, uh, John Romano, some of the guys I know that teach down there. These guys, they go down there to teach younger kids and they don't go down there like stiff and rigid. Man, they bring a bag of candy with them, right? They're, they're doing stuff to inspire these kids with candy. And then they send them home with candy. But they're do, being creative, and they're pouring the word of God into them. They're signing up saying, you know what? I'll teach. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do something for God's kingdom. And you know what? If, if you're saying, Lord, use my life, he will. There's a lot of people here that do have great value that just feel like shelved. Or what could I do? Or how could I serve? Or what's my, what are my gifts? Right? This guy just went to church. Here I am, Lord, led by the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. That's amazing. That's what God wants to do today. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people at different times. The New Testament, you know, Jesus breathed, we just read that, breathes on the, the disciples, but then he tells them there's another experience, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. There's another empowering, a greater empowering that God wants to give to people. But Simeon, Simeon was a guy that was led by the Spirit, right? And Jesus said this in John chapter 7, and it's interesting, it's the same time Jesus stands up, it says that on a feast day, the great day of the feast, and he says this, 
Is anyone thirsty? He asked the question, is anyone thirsty? Right? It was, the feast day was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was actually the same feast that Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, Sukkoth, or the Feast of Tab- Tabernacles. And, and, and they came in and bombed Israel and killed 12 or 1,400 people, whatever it was. Jesus stood up on that feast day in, in John chapter 7 and says, hey, is anyone thirsty? Because for seven days, the high priest would go down the stairs in the southern by the southern gate to the pool of Siloam and take water out. And he'd walk all the way back up these stairs and he'd pour water in the courtyard. And it was a representation as people are camped, Feast of Tabernacles, they're camped all around Israel, all all around Jerusalem. It goes from 200,000 people to 2 million people. And people are living in like tents, these little booths, and they're just staying there. And talk about one of the, more cursed festivals that, you know, you have to live in a tent for a week. And these guys are camped there for a week. And he would pour out water as these people would come and watch. And it was a representation as they lived in the wilderness for 40 years that God provided water and food. And then they would enter the promised land. The last day, the great day of the feast, the priest didn't do that. It was a representation that they're in the land. They have their land back. They're there their feet are on that ground, and he wouldn't do that. And Jesus stood up and said, hey, is anyone still thirsty? Are you sick of religion? Are you sick of just coming here and watching this priest go up and down these stairs? Poor water. Are you sick of that? Are you empty? Right? Because everyone has a thirst. You have a natural thirst. If you play sports, you know what that is, right? All of a sudden, I need a Gatorade or a Propel. There's another thirst that you have. It's emotional need. You have a, a, a need to be loved to be needed, to be cared for. There's that. Then there's another need that's in every single person. It's the need for God. Everyone has it. You're empty apart from that. You might be totally hydrated, married to someone you love, but there's still an emptiness. And that's what Jesus meant. Hey, are you guys empty? Are you guys thirsty? Because you need to come to me. Not just to church, because this is important. You need to come to me. Because if you do, out of your insides are going to flow rivers of living water. And the picture is Niagara Falls. Like imagine that, you being filled and then overflowing with more of what you need and what matters. And it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus asked that question, hey, is anybody thirsty? And it's the Holy Spirit living and dwelling. It's more of Jesus Christ. So that's what this guy had, Simeon. And he was just there. And he was probably a guy, because when you're filled with the Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, and Paul told the Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's peace. It's joy. It's long-suffering. Right? So this guy, you walk in, man, that's a loving guy. Who is this guy? I don't even know him. But you're just drawn to him. You like him. He's, you t- start talking to him, you're like, wow, that guy was great to talk to. Super. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when he says, hey, can I hold your son? They're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. What do you think, Joseph? Ah, there he goes. Right? And that's what happens. And he took him up in his arms and he blessed him. Verse 29 says, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light 
to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. What? A light to the Gentiles and to Israel? That's crazy. But you know what's going to matter with what Simeon says here? In Acts chapter 10, something that got brought into the church was a prejudice. was a preconceived idea that God doesn't love Gentiles. Right? Even though Isaiah, you know, the Bible is clear that Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. But through religion and what people were being taught and told and things that were happening, uh, you know, what happened was people didn't like Gentiles. They were being oppressed, actually, by Gentiles. Roman rule there in Israel, they were being oppressed. They didn't like them. They were prejudiced. They hated Rome. Israel had been oppressed for years by people. But what got brought into the church was this prejudice against Gentiles, anybody who wasn't Jewish. And God was dealing with that. Simeon says it here. Uh, but if you read uh, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, this, this Roman centurion of this Italian band, this group, God appears to him and says, hey, he's reading, and then he, God says, listen, well, there's a guy I want that's going to explain all this to you. Go send for Peter, Simon Peter. So he sends guys. Then the next day, it says that Peter, about the middle of the day, noon, goes up to the roof to pray. And noon, what's noon? You know, the noon bell goes off, and I'm thinking, I get to eat again. And that's what Peter's thinking. He goes up there to pray, and he's, you know, the Bible says that he's hungry. So he's up there, he's getting hungry, and he's tired, he's falling asleep. And it says he had a vision of this sheet that came out of heaven. It says it happened three times. And in this sheet was all these things that the Bible in Leviticus, I think it's 11, says that are an abomination. Can't eat these things. The Bible calls them an abomination, right? They're, they're, they're unclean animals, pigs, and, and different uh, creatures that lived in the sea and flew. And, and so everything God says, in, they, they come down in this sheet, right? And Peter's like, no, not. And, and God says, take, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that. And Jesus says, listen, anything I say is clean. Don't say it's unclean. And then there's a knock on the door. Here comes these guys that are seeking Peter, these Gentiles. If God didn't show him that and try to reveal some of this prejudice he had in him, Peter would be like, no way, dude. I'm not talking to you. You're a loser. You're a Gentile. You're a... But God is preparing Peter's heart because there was some wrong in there. And I only explain that story because you know what? Some people here are carrying prejudice in your heart, things that you've learned from church or things people told you, that, that there's things anchored in your heart that maybe God wants to shake up, that aren't really biblically true, but you're believing them. Why? Because somebody told you that. Or you heard someone say it. And you're trusting someone, right? Peter, in his heart, thought, these guys are crazy. They, they, they're nothing but the, for, meant for nothing but the fires of hell. Uh, they're terrible. And, but it wasn't true. God was reaching out to these Gentiles, which most people here might be some people that have some Jewish lineage here, but most people here are Gentiles, right? Not everybody, but I don't know. So he says, listen, this is a light for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Why? Because Jesus is Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. And Joseph, his mother, marveled at those things which were spoken. Now she's recalling this to Luke 
maybe 50 years later. And she marveled at those things. And then it says that Simon turned and he blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign to be spoken against. And a sword will pierce through your own soul and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This isn't always going to be easy, Mary. A sword is going to pierce through your soul, right? And probably some of that as Mary watches Jesus being beaten, crucified. She's sitting there uh, at the foot of the cross. And Jesus is on the cross. He tells John, hey, behold your mother. And tells Mary, hey, behold your son. There's a different, this guy's going to fill my shoes. This guy has to take my place. This guy is going to take care of you, right? Imagine the, the, the soul, as she's looking at her son, that she nursed, that she changed diapers, that she did all these things, and she's looking at him on the cross, beaten, unrecognizable, beard plucked out, whipped, scourged, amazing. That's a sword that pierces your soul, Right? but that the hearts of many might be revealed. Everyone has to do something with Jesus Christ. Everyone here, and if you say, I'm waiting, that's your answer. You're doing something. You're rejecting him. And then it says, verse 36, and then there was one Anna, a prophetess, right? There's a prophet and a prophetess because the book of Acts isn't over. You read the book of Acts, you see people being healed. You see prophecy. You see this Holy Spirit activated in people's lives, anointed. Prophecy is a gift. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, it's a very needful gift, Paul says. It's part of the gift of the Spirit. There's encouragement there, right? It happens when people read the Bible. It happens when you guys fellowship after church, right? Everyone scoots out after church and you miss out on maybe what God, maybe God wants to tell you something through someone, encourage you, encourage you through someone. And we, we are so quick and we're all guilty at times, like, man, what time's the game? Or what, what do we got going? There's brunch. Or what time do they close, right? And we miss out on maybe somebody coming alongside you and saying, hey, I got, I got a word of encouragement. God told me to tell you this. Right? That might seem weird to some people. God told you? Yeah, he does that. That's the working of the Holy Spirit because God knows what you need to hear. And he's been telling you, but sometimes it's nice for somebody to whisper in your ear confirmation of what he's already been telling you. His heart towards you or a warning towards you. Something. And that's what they do. They come in and, and, and this is the working of of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a gift of the Spirit. So she comes in. She's a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age, and she had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. So a lot, many times, 14, 16 years old, these girls get married, very cultural, and she lives with her husband seven years, and he dies. What happened? Some things shake us off course. Things can shake us off course. Tragedy can, can, can shake you off course. 
This woman, it says, was a widow of about 84 years. So, and, but, but it says this about her life. She didn't depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. That's the cure for your life. When something bad happens, man, don't take your hands off the reins, right? Don't, don't keep plowing, keep going, keep serving, keep loving. God is going to minister to you there. I think it's Psalm 34 or 42 that it says the Lord, that God is near to the brokenhearted. She probably experienced that. She goes to the temple that God just ministered to her and gave her peace and encouragement in spite of hard situations, circumstance. She just kept serving. She just kept walking with God. 84 years, maybe total. She didn't depart. She served God with fasting and prayers. But those things mark your life, don't they? When tragedy comes, discouragement, they can mark your life. But that scar, that thing you're carrying, now God can use it. Because you're not the only person that's dealing with that same scar, that same issue. Right? It happened to her. You know how many people she probably ministered to that lost a spouse or a child or a loved one? How it ministered to Mary as she looks back and sees this woman serving God even though she lost her husband? Because Mary's about to lose her husband probably. Joseph isn't in the picture. And then Mary loses her son, 30 years old, 33. Pretty amazing. Probably held on to a lot of things Anna said to her. And some of the scars you carry, some of the things you've gone through, God wants to use those in the lives of other people. That they can make it. What God ministered to your life. How he spoke to you. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. Hey, you want redemption? You want salvation? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about this little child that I saw in the temple. God's promise to the world. And she told everyone. She told everyone. And then it, and, and then it says this in verse 39, when they had performed all these things, According to the law of the Lord. They didn't leave anything out, right? It's not, God's word isn't a buffet, right? When we were in Myrtle Beach, we went to a buffet. Maybe I told you guys this already. We went to a buffet, seafood buffet, 170 items on the menu. Let's go. This is our, this is cool, right? Don't go. Anyways, go if you want. Right? There's like five things I liked. It's expensive. But, but, you know, so those are the things I kept eating, you know, 12 plates full of certain things, right? Because it's 170 items, so it's, it's there for everybody. But I only liked a few things. But God's word isn't a buffet, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the crab legs and the coconut shrimp, and it, it, it's, it's the whole thing. You need to know God's word. It's not a buffet. Like, I'll take this, I'll take that, and when I go back up, I'll take more... It's the whole thing. And she performed all things according to the law of the Lord. And then returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, filled in wisdom, grace, 
and the grace of God was upon him. Turn to Isaiah 7 with me for a second. Because Luke gives the most detail about Jesus' early life, and it's not that much. Still not that much. This is a prophecy about Jesus. You guys know Isaiah 7. Maybe. It says, verse 14 in Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. That's God with us. And it says this. This is it. what's interesting. And this is, this is what Joseph and Mary did for Jesus. It says, Curds and honey, if you have the King James, I think it says butter and honey he shall eat. Why? That he might know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, and the land that you dread will be forsaken both by her and her kings. What, what did they give this little boy? Butter and honey. They gave him, they fed him what was good. They didn't say, yeah, let's give him some of the bad so he knows. Here, have some Tabasco on that on your raisin bran, or you know, I don't know. Uh, no, they gave him the good at this young age so he would learn. So when the bad came in, he'd be like, ah, that's terrible. What is that? Well, that's not good, right? And, and kids are so impressionable, aren't they? Uh, it, it, if you've been following everything going on in Israel, and I, and I knew about this guy, I forgot about him, but I watched a video, the, the guy, and I can't remember the guy's name, I might have wrote it down here. Masad Hassan Youssef, maybe you know his name, uh, he wrote a book, he got, he got saved, um, uh, he wrote a book called Son of Hamas, but his dad was part of the charter as they formed this Hamas group, this, this, because that's their leadership uh, in Gaza, it's not just a terrorist organization, that's their leadership, political leadership is Hamas, and they voted him in, I think it was 80% back in 2005, and now you know people are saying that it would be 90% vote. They would still vote Hamas in today. Um, but this guy was a prince in that nation. This guy was like one of the leaders. His dad started the charter. This guy was, was a leader. Everyone looked up to him. He had anything and everything at his disposal, and he was trained from a very young age to hate the Jews, destruction from the sea to the river. Their, their goal isn't just to, to take a little more land. It's total annihilation of Israel. And, and, and they're the little Satan, and America's the great Satan. It's whatever stands in the way. And this guy is like trained from a young age to hate, to want to uh, uh, suicide bomb, to you know all these crazy things. And he realized, this is nuts. And he, he gets saved, moves to America. None of his family recognize him. He lost everything, uh, whatever. But insight into what people learn at such a young age. Because people right now uh, in, in the Hamas, in Gaza, are learning. You know, moms are saying, you know, I just want to have kids and have them grow up to be suicide bombers. That's my goal, to die for Allah. And it's crazy what kids are learning. And I only say that because what did Jesus have? He, he learned the good. 
His mom and dad invested in the good. Take time, because sometimes it's easier as a mom and dad to throw a tablet or a TV or a, you know, a phone at a kid just so you have a little free time. It may not be good, right? It may not be good. So fast forward verse uh, 41 here. All of a sudden, there's a 12-year jump, and we'll finish the chapter really quick. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother didn't know it. They don't know it. Sometimes the guys hang out. You guys don't do this, but the guys kind of hang out and they're talking. And the girls are hanging out and they're talking. One's in the front of the pack, one's at the back of the pack. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes they're not watching their kids. They're expecting, guys, if you're anything like me, I do watch my kids. But a lot of times, I really, in my mind, anticipate Leah's watching the kids. Um, But sometimes she's not, and she thinks I have the kids. Well, that's what happened here, right? I'm sure Harley has the kids. No, Leah has the kids. And then all of a sudden, you're missing a child. The boy Jesus lingered, and Joseph and his mother didn't know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, maybe he's just with his friends. He's 12, he's hanging out with his cousins. Uh, They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they didn't find him, they returned to to Jerusalem seeking him. And it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding, at answer, and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Something that Mary would have to think about. She, she's going to ponder that. Jesus is like, listen, remember why I'm here. I am your son. I'm submitting to you, but I have a purpose, and it's to be about my father's business. And Mary will have to process that fact, uh, that reality. And sometimes parents have to process that with their kids. If they're serving the Lord or doing something, and, and you realize, oh, man, I want them here. I want, actually, I want Lyd, my, my daughter Lydia and Ian. I want them here. But I realize they're about their father's business. They're serving the Lord. I can't say, Lyd, you get home. I want to. I've said it jokingly. I think I've tried to tempt them back, lure them back, but jokingly, halfway jokingly. They have to be about their father's business. And Mary's processing that. If you've ever lost kids, isn't that crazy? We were just in Myrtle Beach. We're at there's only 50 people in the store. We were there right when it opened, uh, Cabela's or Bass Pro, and I've got Carter, which he's a nightmare. He never listens. So usually I pawn him off on Anna if Leah doesn't have him because Anna's like a, she's like a stealth bomber. She's got that kid all the time. But I had him. I'm like, all right, let me give Anna a break. I'll give Leah a break. And all of a sudden he's like, wants to play hide and go seek, and I'm not very fast anymore. He's zipping in between the aisles. I'm like, so he zipped one way. I'm like, I'll see him. I look, he's not there. I look back, he's not there. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gone. So I'm running all around the store like, where could he be? And, and Leah or Anna had him. I'm like, how did he get all the way over here? I'm going to kill this kid. 
it's crazy. My heart's pounding. There wasn't that many people in the store, and I was by the entrance and exit, so an employee would have had to take him back to whatever. But anxious. I can't imagine three days. These guys are, but the lesson they had to learn. They lost Jesus for three days, right? That's crazy. And he says, I must be about my father's business. But they didn't understand that statement. That's not processing as a mom and dad. You're 12. What are you talking about? In verse 51, it says, He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But here again, Mary keeps all these things in her heart. She has to process. Mary's processing. Don't you have to process as you're walking with the Lord? Like, wow, why did that happen? What's going on here? I did not see that coming. And all the time you're processing, you're learning, you're letting God's word wash over you. He's teaching you things and, and you're processing. And it says this, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with men. Jesus continued to grow and was in favor with God and man. He was on a mission. God was with him. Important, important. Uh, Listen, if you're empty today, Jesus says, listen, are you thirsty? If you are, you can come to me because I've got something that you need and I'm the only one that has it. You're not going to find it in a relationship with another person, a spouse, a mom or a dad. It's only in me. If you're thirsty, come to me. Because out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. Jesus cares so much. So Lord, we just thank you so much, God, for your word, for the truth of it, the promises we have, the hope we have, Lord. I'm just so thankful, God, to be able to study your words. There's people all around the world that can't do what we're doing. They can't do what we're doing. They can't open your word. They can't be found worshiping or singing. Uh, at the very least, there could be imprisonment. Some people are dying. Uh, such a tragedy, Lord. We don't want to take that this for granted, what we're doing here today, God. And I thank you for the hope that we have in you, Lord, uh, in your word. We just love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.